I'm Liren Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to a moment where they had the last laugh. Me and my friend Anya were up in Dublin looking at colleges, and I remember we're waiting at the bus stop down by the SIP2 building, and then this big tall lad just like shoulders me, kind of shoulders me out of the way, and stands in front of me, and I was like, Jesus Christ! And then the bus came along, and the wing mirror just smacked him right in the no. head. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, belted him oh, right God. in the head, and me and my friend Anya laughed our holes off for about <laughs> four years afterwards. Comedian Kevin McGahern is my guest this week. He talks to me about growing up in Cavan, his Republic of Telly days and his love for Bookfast. I hope you enjoy. Kevin McGahern. Hello, Darren. God, that's quite loud. Sorry. You're very welcome to The Laughs of Your Life. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I had never met you before until... This is going to sound made up. It's the weirdest thing to meet somebody on. Last Christmas. Yeah. Um, Paddy Power. <laughs> yeah. And all their genius. They did this video situation thing. How would you even describe it? It was in, in a pub in... Rathmines. Rathmines. Yeah. Roddy Bolands, was it? I want to say. Yeah. It was... Yeah. It's a very hard thing to describe. So it was... Have you even... I haven't even watched it. I think it was like a 20 minute video where they interviewed, set in a pub full of lads mostly, yeah. and then sports stars, and the sports stars are just chatting, and me and you were sort of like the very loose uh, goo to hold the whole thing together. Yeah. So we would present it and then walk around and give pints to like Kevin Keegan. Yeah. I say, well, what do you think, Kevin? And it was Jerrica Cora, who has now since passed away. He was on it. Yeah. And there were like weird sketches, broken up by weird interviews I had to give a pint at one point to Ruby Walsh and, and they gave me a line to say I thought Ruby Walsh was the horse's name because <laughs> <No, you're laughs> everyone's gone about Ruby Walsh I was like that was one fast horse <laughs> I had to give him a pint and they were like and say this and they gave me a line and I just was like okay and I said it and the whole pub was like oh oh my god yeah What was it very slaggy I think at that time... So you, you, you don't know much about sports, do you? No, but I think at that time he hadn't been riding very well. And so <laughs> I said something that was like a dig. I was like, sound for, you know... You didn't mention his wife, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but also, sorry, another amazing fact about that event. East 17 were there. Oh, I almost forgot about East 17 being there. <laughs> that Yeah, it's weird how like the weirdest part didn't come to my mind as the bit where I know, we listened to E17. But it wasn't E17, it was like two of them. Ah, it was enough. It was East <laughs> East 14. <laughs> and everyone was like standing on chairs being like, baby, if you've got to go. It was it a was great good. job though because we were allowed to drink on the job. We were yeah. kind of encouraged to get pissed. <laughs> totally. And uh, any job where you're basically plied with alcohol is, is, is yeah. one that I'm interested in. We wanted it to be loose and groovy <laughs> and that it was. Okay, let's kick off Kevin McGahern. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Kevin McGahern. I like that pronunciation. Do, yeah, do you like the way I'm saying it? The dotty voice. McGahern. Your first memory of laughter. This is the hardest one because it's very hard to remember um, the first time you laughed. It was probably something very simple like seeing just a really bad old man's comb over at mass <laughs> where you're sitting behind a man and he's got a, a neck like a biscuit. Have you ever seen an old man's yes! neck? It looks like, like a crumbly, wrinkly biscuit, and it's the same color as a custard cream. I want to say the sandwich one with the cream in the middle are lovely. 
Um, so and just this sort of comb over where you're like, how do you think you're getting away with that? <laughs> like, where it's right from the, the near the ear, from one ear, it's sort of swept over. And any kind of wind at all just destroys the facade. And it's like four strands of hair. Yeah, and his wife has just given up. She's like, let him fucking work away. Do you, know, do you know what my boyfriend calls that kind of hair? A, a wispy lid. A wispy lid. That's a lovely, yeah, like a jack-in-the-box sort of lid. Um, the other thing I remember laughing a lot as a child was um, my second cousin, John, when he was a little boy. Uh, was running around. Maggie May was an old lady who lives near us and she had a bantam cock and John was running around after the cock and the cock was starting to get pissed off. Like, And after a few minutes of running around, the cock just turned around and started chasing after him <laughs> and it was just a complete reversal. And there was something very funny about how, <laughs> how a threat uh, can be reversed on you immediately and you're suddenly... He was terrified. He was just running around getting chased by Maggie May's cock and I was like this is gas that's like slapstick yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like it um, tell me about your childhood um, grew up on a farm where in a place called Gowna County Cavan mm-hmm. uh, a lot of lakes a lot of lakes a lot of <laughs> a lot of options for suicide oh god um, <laughs> no it's uh, I don't, yeah no I had a fairly happy childhood um, grew up on a farm I wasn't that very agricultural see the only thing you could really do was football and I was just terrible at that mm-hmm um, so I had to f- I had to find another uh, method to sort of stand out and also remain sane. And that was yeah, kind of being. I I reckon I realised at training actually uh, at football because I tried it and I was just useless at it. And rather than be just like the worst lad on the team, I would start sort of having a laugh, and that made it a lot more bearable, you know. Um, but so yeah, football saved my life. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. That'll be the headline. <laughs> yeah, no, relatively happy. No, no sad stories or anything like that. What was your family set up? Uh, two younger brothers. So I was the eldest. I kind of set the bar. There's a lot of people say there's no three siblings that are more different than me and my two brothers. Really? Yeah, we're very like we all we get on like, but we're very very different. Uh, my younger brother Derek is football crazy. Um, and he just has this encyclopedic knowledge of football. I hate football, so I wasn't. My younger brother, Ryan, um, was just like a sort of, he's like a little James Dean dickhead. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's very, very handsome, and everyone thinks he's class, and it's really annoying. <laughs> like, it got to the stage when, when I was about 15, he was only 12, and like my 15-year-old female friends were like, God, your brother's a little right. <laughs> like, oh, God. That's not what you want to hear. Like, he's 12. He's like, yeah, well, watch. Just watch. He's our five-year plan. <laughs> Women are very good at sensing when a man <laughs> will become very good looking years from now. But I remember like my first attempt at comedy was um, I went to see Mrs. Doubtfire in 1994. Probably came out in Ireland in 95. So I went there with my mom and uh, my auntie Maureen, I think, was with us. No, she wasn't with us. But uh, anyway, we were in the car with my mom and my auntie Maureen. And I remembered a joke in the film. And the joke was Mrs. Doubtfire is like putting away the shopping with Sally Field. And she's holding some peas or something. And she goes, God, holding this. Oh, it's meat. Holding this cold meat that reminds me of my dear Winston. And she, Sally Field goes, oh, my God. Yeah. How, how did he die? And he goes, oh, it's, you know, it, was, uh, it was the drink that killed him. She was like, oh, he was an alcoholic. Because no, he was hit by a Guinness truck. <laughs> and yeah. I, as a, as a, like a nine-year-old, I understood that joke. Yeah. I was like, I get that. That's a joke. 
understand here's the setup here and the uh, the twisty reveal, the punchline. I understood it. As a template, it As was a template, good. yeah. I, it's the child can understand this joke. So I was like, I'm going to use this joke <laughs> <laughs> in my daily conversation with adults. So we're in the car with my auntie Maureen and my mom. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll say it now. But hold on a second. I don't have a dead husband. <laughs> So, okay, I need to move some things around. Right, tree shuffle, yeah. I was like, right, I just need an old person. I just need an old person. I was granddad. I'll just use granddad. <laughs> and I said, uh, Auntie Maureen, did you hear that granddad is dead? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I was like waiting for her to say, oh, I didn't hear that, Kevin. <laughs> That's surprising that you would know this information before I would. <laughs> yeah. But please tell me, how did he die? Yeah, yeah. And then I'd say, it was the drink that killed him. She'd go, oh, was he an alcoholic? Yeah. And I'd say, no, he was hit by a Guinness truck. But what actually happened, my auntie Maureen and my mother just said, Kevin, don't, don't ever try to be funny like that. Ever again. <laughs> so I never told another joke. Yes, you did. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Kevin McGarn, the first time you felt laughed at... Um, okay it was probably I was in either high or low infants because I remember I was in with Mrs. Hurricane were you one of those what the fuck does that mean you say high or low infants what do you say junior or senior infants no yeah I suppose is that an age thing I'm probably older than you yeah high or low infants high infants low infants high infants low yeah definitely you you were one of them yeah that weird group that you've marginalised somehow I love the way you straight away were like what does that mean yeah I feel feel attacked frankly go on so I was in one of the senior junior uh, minor uh, infants whatever you want to call them and intermediate I remember I remember thinking fuck this I want to go home um, so I used to read, you know, watch a lot of cartoons and read a lot of comics. So a lot of my plans came from <laughs> cartoons. So I said to my friend Finton Smith, I was like, I got a plan. Let's go into the jacks. We're going to cover our body with little green dots from this marker. And then we'll tell the teacher that we're sick and we have to go home. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like it's, it is like a Dennis the Menace kind of plan. Yeah, yeah. So I did. We went into the jacks and uh, <laughs> this didn't mean to get sort of like uh, weird but we covered our entire fucking bodies I mean Darren I mean everything just in case like they checked our penises oh god they're like hey this penis isn't sick at all so I was like you're not gonna catch me up Mrs. Hurricane so I we covered our bodies I don't know if he covered his willy but I, I definitely did and uh, it was hard getting the arse actually it's hard getting the ratio because it had to be an equal ratio on both cheeks So I covered everything in green. Like, what kind of disease has green dots apart from something out of the Beano? Like typhoid or something. I don't know. So I went out and um, everyone in the classroom started laughing at my stupid plan. (laughs) And she was like, did you cover yourself in marker? I was like, yes. And everyone laughed and then uh, laughs, jokes on them. Because she said, go home, you need to clean Cleaners, yourself up. Uh, so I, I ended up, the plan worked just in, in the amazing. wrong way. But my mother gave me a no just scrubbing that night. Uh, and it, and it, it's ne- enough. it nearly wasn't worth it. <laughs> um, in school, what kind of lad were you? Were you, did you have friends? Were you popular? Were you bullied? Were you the bully? Um, <laughs> in, in national school, oh yeah, I'm one of those people that say national school. Do you say primary? <laughs> primary. You say primary up in Dublin. <laughs> In national school, um, yeah, it was a small school, so there wasn't that many bullies. It was kind of hard to bully people in a small school. Mm. So, yeah, it was popular enough. Um, (laughs) Sounds cocky for, like, an 11-year-old bragging. (laughs) Uh, I did two secondary schools. First one was in Granard, 
which was uh, Gramercy. It could be kind of a rough enough kind of town um, where kind of like the tough boys are like the cool boys. Yeah. Uh, everyone had short, very short army sized uh, haircuts. Everyone listened to top 30 hits. It wasn't really that much room for dissension. Um, and then when I went to Moyne, I, I skipped school because I wanted to do art. Um, that was like going to San Francisco in 1969. There was like people into cool new bands I'd never heard of, like Placebo and Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> and I, I kind of blossomed more there, you know. So, yeah. No, I had reasonably enjoyable enough time at school. It was mostly just laughing. You know? Were you the clown? Not really, no, because the, the standard of clowning in our school was very high. But standard clowning in our school was, um, I'll not give his name, but I remember a lad brought in a cordless drill and drilled a hole into from the woodwork room, from the metalwork room into the woodwork room. And like that, he was the clown, like he was committing <laughs> like damage to school property. Right. So yeah, it was very hard to like uh, up him with just a, a pithy reply. <laughs> I, gotcha. had, I had a lot of pith, but pith didn't go far in where I was. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. The moment when, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry, Kevin McGarren. Um The moment where I didn't laugh. How did I word this one in my... <laughs> in my is that... I think I... Oh, yeah. Um, I might be saying this because it's happened quite recently. Uh, at Christmas there, my grandfather died and it was... I had to do the eulogy. Um... And it was... Uh, just this Christmas gone. Just this Christmas gone, yeah. He was he had al- Alzheimer's and it was a long time coming. It was kind of a relief. Mm. But uh, I did the eulogy and I got a, got a good tight five minutes out of it, like, you know. Um, got some good good laughs out of it. And it was the only way I could really get through it mm-hmm. by sort of writing sort of jokes and telling funny stories. And then I'd do the serious bit at the end where, like, I almost break down <laughs> in yeah. tears. yeah. But um, it was it was very therapeutic. I'd never done one before, and it's uh, like I've I've never left a funeral. Uh, like I felt great. Like the few days after it, I felt really good. I felt like we gave him a really nice kind of send off, you know. And there's a lot of love outpoured from the community onto it. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Really? Of course it does. You wanted something serious. There you go. No, no, totally. <laughs> but what? Why were you the one asked to do it? Do you think? Um, I suppose because in our family, I'd have the only kind of creative job. Everyone else is quite, you know, um, regular jobs that have security. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you get, wait, are you trying to say you got paid to do it? <laughs> got, I got, I got, yeah, I got 25 quid. All right. And all the Eucharist I could eat. Uh, that was it. Yeah, I think I was, yeah, it was just, Kevin, you'll do that. I was like, grand. Okay. And how do you sit down and start something like that? Was it, was it hard? I, I went to the family first and I got them. I was like, right, what stories are we going to put in? And they, they told me stuff I'd never heard before. And it's a great thing to do because you, you learn so much about your relatives, you know. Mm. And then I, um, same way as you'd write a set, <laughs> I sat down. <laughs> I sat down at a table and I just wrote everything and I was like, right, you don't really need that. And right, you could tidy that up there. And then uh, the end, I just sort of wrote how I kind of felt about him. And it's a weird thing because we have these thoughts about our, our relatives, especially our grandparents, and we have no way or place to, um, to get them out. Because uh, you have these you know, opinions about your um, grandparents. Like one thing I was always amazed by was my granddad... His father died when he was like five, mm-hmm. so he was raised by 
uh, raised by his mother, and he was amazing with children. Like, I've never met a man of his age. Like, there's lots of men now, like uh, metrosexual men, like new daddies who are, like, great with kids. But, like, 50 years ago, our lads were dickheads. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, kids were an annoyance and they should be immediately put to work. Whereas he had this uh, love and appreciation of kids and he did not believe there was such thing as a bold child. Like, uh, it was great, great for us because, like, if you broke a window in the house all the aunties would be given out to you and you'd just run over to granddad he'd be like aye the grand lad um, and I think it came from uh, not having a father figure and having a strong female presence in his life made him very maternal and made him very maybe paternal for men uh, but just made him very very kind and that's interesting actually is the word maternal can you apply it to men yeah, yeah I don't know because um, maternal obviously Maternal is maternal and paternal. Paternal is Yeah, male. paternal, but that's kind of just the act of... Of having a baby. Of being a dad. Yeah, Whereas yeah. maternal, there's a feeling to it or something. You can cut off at this point to where you look this up on no, Wikipedia. No, we're not going <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah. Durance fact check. Later on in the day, they're in... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I always felt this, but I had no way... I couldn't say, hey, ma'am, do you ever think about this? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, the eulogy allowed me to have a place to kind of talk about that, you know, and it felt really great, you know. So that's your if you didn't laugh, you'd cry moment. Yeah, well, I actually did both. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. Kevin, uh, your no laughing matter moment in life. Um, I've been fortunate enough where I haven't had any great tragedies happen. Um, and I'd be a big believer of of laughing um, even even during sad times. Like my friend Ed had cancer. Ed Salmon, another comedian, mm-hmm. had cancer, and um, it we never let us let it get us down. Like uh, we would always. I kind of refused to believe he could die. I was like, Nah, it's not a chance. He's become a grand. I don't think a God would do that to me. <laughs> to me, I'm so selfish. Um, but we we just had to laugh the whole way through it. You know. Um, and I, like, even I'm going back to my granddad again, like, uh, I'm a big believer in slagging old people. Uh, <laughs> let me just explain what I mean by that. I'm going to isolate that. And just put that out. <laughs> That's your little drop clip at the start. Uh, like, we're a nation of slaggers. We slag each other all the time. Yeah. Once you get to know somebody, you really solidify the friendship by giving them a good slagging. And I noticed that that kind of stops with old people when people reach a certain age. And my uncle Paddy, like, uh, when we were on the farm, we used to go down for breakfast at my granny's house. And she is like a, she was a boisterous Scottish woman. Um, and my uncle Paddy used to give her dogs abuse the whole time. And it would get her uh, riled up and she'd be shouting back at him and slagging him back. And I'm convinced it kept her young. Uh, because it, it got the blood pump. Yeah, it <laughs> like, keeps you sharp. Yeah, and even when I was with Grandad, even towards the end, um, the best way, he was kind of drifting in and out of consciousness, almost like in a dreamlike state, and the best way to get a reaction out of him was to like give him a little dig and he'd start laughing, you yeah. know? So, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Never stop slagging old people. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It keeps them young, keeps them young. Ed Salmon. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Sorry, go into that. How is he? Oh, he's grand. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still alive. Still alive. Sorry about that, Ed. <laughs> it's an exclusive. Oh, it's my a- God. It's 
like, oh yeah, no, he's he's gone. <laughs> oh, he's oh, he's dead. No, he did. Yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned that. Uh, no, it's still very much alive. He, yeah, he bet the shit out of cancer. Right. Okay, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And how long have you guys known each other in the comedy circuit? Yeah. What way does it go? Like, are you mates with people or are there people you don't like? Are there people you're jealous of? Or Yeah, of course. Okay, All right. of those things. Tell us, tell us. <laughs> um, Ed was kind of nearly my first comedy friend. I started in roughly 2009. And um, Ed saw me, in, everyone starts kind of in the Hippany Bridge Inn, this generation, the current generation, the last one started in the intro. But uh, Ed saw me and then was running a gig, got me down there, and we just became hard and fast friends ever since. Uh, but are the people I don't like? Yeah, of course. But it's it's hard to just differentiate from like, okay, do I actually not like this person, or, or do jealous? I dislike their success? <laughs> it's like fuck, it it's so hacky what he did there, and everyone fucking loves it. It's like yeah, I know that you're not doing it. So, <laughs> do you still have a grow for comedy? Do you think you'll always have it? As in, like, you know, we had PJ Gallagher on, and he was like, I don't really see myself as a stand-up anymore. Um. How do you see yourself? Does he see himself as a plumber? What? No, he's working in radio and oh, he doesn't have the yeah, offenders yeah. and stuff. I suppose, yeah, yeah. I'd see, I'd, yeah. He's such a good comic, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a danger sometimes if your hobby becomes a job. It's a danger that you will fall out of love with your hobby. Yeah. Um, so I think the, yeah, the important thing is just to keep finding what it is you like about it and what you initially liked about it. Luckily enough, what I like about, what I've always liked about comedy is hanging out with comedians. I just adore hanging out with comedians. It's, um, they're just so much better than regular people. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> people like Shane over there with his, with his mouse and his little buttons. <laughs> much rather be talking to you, Darren. <laughs> oh, no. I only met Shane. Um, uh, Republic of Telly. Yes. How did that come about? How did that come about? Um, I I think I'd done a couple of sketches with them because I was friends with the Viper from doing Hardy Books and the Viper was working on uh, Republic at the time. So he got me in for a couple of sketches and then when Dermot was leaving, they, they auditioned a, co- a few people, I don't know how many, five or six, and uh, I just got it. <laughs> did you feel like you'd struck gold when you got it? Uh, kind of, yeah. Like a sort of like... Um, no, definitely. I, I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is class, because now when I do stand-up, it's like the, it's good, the job's going to be so much easier now because they're going to be laughing before I come out. It's not. It's actually harder. Right. Because when you're, when you're completely unknown, uh, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah, and they're rooting for you, I suppose. Cause yeah, they're, they're rooting for you. Yeah. You've got nothing to lose. You know, if you have a bad gig, nobody gives a shit. They're like, oh, some guy in a Hawaiian shirt did pretty bad last <laughs> night. But um, then when you're on telly, there's a little element of, all right, yeah. And people would actually love to have the story, like, I saw him last night. Yes, shit. that's true. Shit. It's an Irish thing. Yes, there's a little bit of begrudgery there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I remember having that Irish realisation. <laughs> you learned the hard way. Yeah. But it was a good experience. You liked it. Yeah. Um, like, it would, you know, you'd occasionally get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, with Because we arrived so late, like, when Republic Telly started... Nobody. It was a new show. Uh, nobody gave a shit in terms of in RT. Yeah. They were like, yeah, work away. And um, then when I arrived, there was a lot more pressure, and there was a lot more like uh, a lot of cooks. I don't mean like the men who watch their wives have sex with other men. I mean C O O K S. That would be weird. Fortunately, was full of cooks. Uh, <laughs> 
is but happening? Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of like opinions on comedy that I knew in not so much the people I worked with, just um, occasionally people above you, and you're like, no, you're wrong. I, this that that's, that won't be funny, and they're like, it will. It'll be gas. Stick it on. Uh, I remember they wanted to get Katie Hopkins on, and like our budgets were small, and they were like, we're going to get Katie Hopkins in. It's going to be gas. It's going to cost like several grand to ship her over. And I was like, the only way I'm going to have Katie Hopkins on the show is if we have a game show. At the time, she was given out about uh, those migrants coming over in boats, like you know, a tiny boat full of like 50 migrants. Mm. And she's calling them like cockroaches and all this horrible shit. And I was like, the only way I'm going to have Katie Hopkins on the show is if we have a game show where there's like a, a big paddling pool <laughs> full of uh, toy boats filled with like little Lego men. <laughs> And she has to shoot them out of the water with a water oh gun. And they're like, all right, let's just get like Jennifer Zamparelli here. <laughs> let's get her back. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, we'll move along, Kevin. Good. The okay. person... I would like to work in RT at some stage <laughs> again. <Yeah. laughs> That's the annoying thing as well. It's like, because I arrived in, it was my first kind of real job. And um, so like my job was to slag off everyone in RT. And then when the show ended and I would go in and I'd be pitching shows to RT, they're like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> and it made me feel bad because I realized like when you've got a deadline and you're like, right, Brendan O'Connor, we have to make fun of him uh, or Ray Darcy. And you're not thinking about their feelings. No, of course One not. iota. You're thinking I have to make this, try and make this funny. Yeah. And then you meet them at like an award show <laughs> and like I'm all smiles. <laughs> Like, well, horse. <laughs> and you can feel like, oh, I think I've actually really hurt this person's feelings. And of course, because you know yourself, ah. you do you go through Twitter after like a show airs? Yeah. And do, do, you shouldn't, though. Yeah, I know I shouldn't. Actually, one of my New Year's resolutions was to not search my name on Twitter. No, you shouldn't. Uh, like, because you get 10 nice things and then one nasty thing. And, and you like, mull over it for two days. Brian from Carlo's a prick. I can't. I'm going to fucking track that prick down. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, if you're listening, Brendan O'Connor and Ray, I'm very sorry. <laughs> Hang on, you said there you want to work for RT again. This yeah. is our seamless and shameless plug for your new show. Excellent stuff. Thanks very much for getting my email. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. So, the new show, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm speaking of Brendan O'Connor, it is, it's an animated improv show, kind of um, almost like a, t- a cutting edge kind of thing. Yeah. Four panellists from different uh, areas of the media and politics. And it's done by Dave Coffey, who does Phoning It In. I don't know if you've ever done that podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's essentially just, it's an improv panel um, show where you just talk about the week's events. And I play an uh, independent TD from the Midlands who uh, is just terribly backward. And it's great because you can say horrible things <laughs> that you could never say in, in real life. Um, so yeah, it, it, it shoots... We record it on like a Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday morning. So we've done that week's events and then it goes out the next Monday. It's like a really fast turnaround. And it's on the player. It's on the player. So it's Dave Coffey, uh, myself, Pearl O'Rourke, Sophie Shanley and Peter McGann. Um, and yeah, I'd highly recommend checking it out. I think we're doing like nine episodes of it. Deadly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a nice. How do you find the player? I don't mean like <laughs> watching stuff. I know that's a nightmare, but how do you find? Uh, hey, I'll say I have nothing bad to say about the player. How did you find uh, working on that? Oh yeah, no, amazing. I yeah, I loved it. Um, I yeah, the, the series has gone well. I think. Yeah. Um, 
Like, this is, I just flipped the fucking actually, interview on you, bitch. <laughs> I'm like, this is my podcast, how dare you? Okay, no, I love it. Yeah, the Dairy Project. Uh, watch it. It's, it's there, season two. You're just taking my plug and plugging yourself. <laughs> you're, a, you're a self-plugger. <laughs> okay, Kevin, uh, the person you always laugh with. Uh, I'd have to go with Ed Salmon. Um, I do not remember having a single serious conversation with that man. Uh, he always uh, cheers me up. And I especially like phone conversations. Because I'm not a big man on the phone. I don't like talking on the phone. Uh, my friends have given out to me because I'm incredibly short. Where they'll ring me back. I like, hate the phone they're too. They're like, sorry, are you fucking mad at me? They're like, why? And they're like, yeah, I drank up for a chat. And you just went, yeah, uh, not that's grand. Yeah, sure, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, bye. Do you know what I do? See, I hate the phone as well. So what I, I'll say is, here, look, I'll let you go. And they'll be like, oh, no, I, I don't need to be let this. go. I was thinking about this the other day. I'll let you go is one step above piss off yeah, 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 yeah. it's just a polite way of telling someone to fuck off out of my face right I'll let you go go on it's easier to do in a car yeah right I'll let you go good luck as if like well I'm not busy man yeah yeah <laughs> I always I, like my mom would be like I'm sure I have nothing to be doing I'm like, I don't to be honest at all oh, uh, uh, yeah so Ed Salmon would yeah. be uh, would be my go now we do have serious moments where like we can help each other through problems right but it's mostly just being absolutely silly and right. I hope that I retain that that when I'm an old man, I'll still ring him up and uh, do silly voices. Would you be an extrovert or an introvert? I always am so intrigued by <coughs> comedians and whether personality-wise they are inwards. I, I don't know. Can you, can you, like, give an exact definition of both those things? Like, an extrovert, I know... And like is that like a, is that a guy comes into a party and he's just loud and like making everyone laugh? Yeah, life and soul, and then actually at home is silent and loves his his silence. Oh no, I don't really. Well, I do like I'm I'm very comfortable in my own company. Yeah, same. Um, but I do I do love hanging out with people. Uh, like I okay, I was at a wedding there. It depends on the situation. I was at a wedding there last uh, just after Christmas. And Jesus, your funerals, weddings, the works. Did you have any christening? Full full four weddings and a funeral (laughs) job. Um, So, you know when you arrive at a wedding and everyone's milling around, there's a bar there and everyone's just chatting and it's mostly couples chatting Mm -hmm. and you're kind of an appendage, like your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend brings you over and they're like, this is Kevin, oh, this is James. He's revitalized the new uh, campaign for... Uh, did you web and you're like all right very good cool. and i find that a very hard place to chat yeah uh, but i love chatting in a smoking area and i think the reason is that with a cigarette you've got a time limit on it so when you're finished a cigarette you can leave the fucking conversation yeah. if it's a good conversation you can hang around longer if it's a really good you can have two fags but what's great about a cigarette is it's got a five minute window and I was like, this better be a good fucking conversation, buddy. That's, because that's great. Can you imagine any other snap? I mean, it's not great. Don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, don't, this is an ad for fags. Um, so, yeah. And, and what kind of conversation can you have in the inside where, like, as soon as you're bored, you're just like, anyway, listen, I'm going to head off. Like, it's very rude to do. It's perfectly fine to finish up a fag, stub it out and say, all right, listen, talk to you and go. That's why I love it. That's a very, very good way of looking at a very bad thing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Ed Salmon's your person. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, a Mm. time where you had the last laugh. Yeah, because when I hear the phrase, the last laugh, the first thing I think of is Alan Partridge 
his his book where he's like, needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> so all I can think of is really sneery moments. And the one that comes immediately to my mind is when I was in Leavencert, me and my friend Anya were up in Dublin looking at colleges. So we went to like Ballyfermot and Clausheduli and a few places we could probably get into. And I remember we're waiting at the bus stop down by the SIP2 building. And we were at the front of the queue and waiting for the bus. And then this big tall lad just like shoulders me, kind of shoulders me out of the way and stands in front of me like a queue to a bus. It's not like, yeah. <laughs> it's not the cinema. That, actually, that's a terrible example. <laughs> but it's it's not a place where there's a limited amount of seats. Like yeah. And he shoves me and I was like, Jesus Christ. And then the bus came along and the wing mirror just smacked him right in the no. fucking head. Yeah. Oh, Belted no. him oh, right no. in the head. And me and my friend Anya laughed our holes off for about four years afterwards. <laughs> Needless to say, I had the last laugh. For about four years. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of Father Dougal. What which, was it again? Which one? I think there was a million. A million oh, there's about a million out there. <laughs> It's a million people out there. I like that. Okay, that's it. That's, do you know what? Some people come on this podcast and they're like, I'm not really a last laugh kind of person. No, I definitely am. I, <laughs> I think it's good to have a good schneer. A good schneer. We're not doing enough schneering. Uh, Kevin, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Oh, um, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, uh, I don't know, taco fries, I find cure. <laughs> well, most of my... Um, ailments are sort of um, alcohol related <laughs> uh, so yeah taco fries and a leg of chicken and a small coke from Supermax that's all you need you don't need a big coke you don't need, get a child's coke it says kids on it some of the lads might laugh at you <laughs> but you don't need any more coke than a child's amount of coke so taco fries taco fries leg of chicken baby coke some <laughs> baby coke uh, I, it's gotten to the stage where like on O'Connell Street um, the usual the, No it's not quite the usual oh. But like He'll go Hey Like oh, Sorry I'm doing like uh, For the podcast listeners I'm doing like Fonzie finger guns <laughs> And the guy When he sees me He goes Hey Taco fries like a chicken baby coke like, How often would you, you have got them? It. Not that often Yeah I'm like But <laughs> I've made an impression on the man <laughs> uh, What's your drink of choice? Um, I'm a Guinness and whiskey man. <laughs> oh, are you? Yeah. Uh, for a special occasion, if I'm going to a if I'm going to a good metal concert, a metal concert, uh, we'll go to Fibbers and we'll drink a bottle of Buckfast after. Right. Just for kind of old time's sake. But my wife tells me that I'm ten years too old <laughs> for that kind of messing. Maybe fun, maybe longer. <laughs> fun fact: I've never ever tasted Buckfast. That's quite common for people to say. Is it? It's, it like it's it's a tonic wine, so it kind of tastes like Calpol with caffeine and sugar in it. Gross. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you'd, you can walk in a perfectly straight line, but your mind is insane. Okay. It's a great drink. Okay, right. It'll be, when I've, like, my, when, in my grandkids' time, that drink will be totally banned. To be like, it's like, you know, when you see old ads for, like, cocaine <laughs> from the 1920s, like, cocaine drops. It's like, is your wife uh, uppity? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Give her cocaine drops. Oh, okay, so taco fries. Okay, Kevin, are you ready for your quick fire round? Okay, <clears throat> let's go. The movie you always laugh at. Movie I always laugh at. Uh, it's a toss-up between Blazing Saddles, The Jerk, and Spinal Tap. They're the three go-to comedy movies. I don't know any of them. What? You work well. The Jerk, I can understand. Blazing Saddles, you've never seen Blazing Saddles? No. It's a funny one. Like, Blazing Saddles is a movie lampooning racism, but it has a lot of racism in it. Right. So, uh, we were watching it recently, and um, 
and my uh, brother-in-law's wife, um, I don't think she was impressed by it. Because, uh, like, the first line in it, it like, there's, like, three N-bombs straight away. And I think, um, like, our generation is a lot, obviously a lot more sensitive mm. to, uh, you know, political correctness. But uh, I hope that satire like that doesn't die out because it does have a lot of offensive language in it. But the 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 racists in that movie are all dumb shits. They're all stupid, small town dumb shits who are like fucking Dougal stupid. And the sheriff is uh, he's a black dude and he is the coolest, funniest, sexiest fucking dude in the movie. <laughs> And he's the smartest as well. Yeah. So I, I worry, though, that um, messages like that would be lost in the sort of people just hearing the offensive yeah, words. Yeah, I got you. Know you. I, mean? I got you. When but you actually look at it. And yeah, yeah. I like, there is like the only th- offensive thing about Blazing Saddles is at the end, there's like a scene where they all the cowboys fight a load of these dancers who've got like uh, sort of stereotypical gay voices. And like, yeah, that's totally offensive. I can understand. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, yeah. I can understand why uh, gay people would find that very offensive. Okay. But uh, no, black folks love it. It's it's Barack Obama's favorite movie. It is, and you can see the connection. It's a, it's a movie about a town that's fucked, and they they hire a black sheriff, um, knowing that it's going to be a disaster, and everyone will like just the town will implode. But he actually does a great job. Wow, kind of like what Barack Obama did to yeah, America. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, the actor you always actor or actress that you always love. Um, Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, he's a comedian. I can see by your scrunched up. I'm like, face. are you trying to are you trying to trick me <laughs> up here? Naming What's... naming words. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. He's uh, he's a comedian who he wasn't in a lot of great films, but I laugh at every single thing he does because he looks fucking mental. Right. He's got these massive bug eyes. He survived uh, mostly on cocaine and weed, um, just those to balance the other one off. But he's got these massive bug eyes. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger in um, the start of Total Recall when uh, his helmet gets busted and his eyes start bugging out of his head because he's losing oxygen. That's what Rodney Dangerfield looks like. And he makes me laugh every time. Uh, like there's a story um, Bob Saget tells <laughs> where um, he was a big fat guy and you know, obviously did a lot of drugs and put his body through incredible pain. Yeah. But he had a heart attack. And he was he's 70 years old at this stage. He had a heart attack and he's in a club and he's got these two uh, sex workers, to use the correct term, on each arm. And Bob Saget comes in and he sees him in a club, like drinking with these with these two girls. And he's waiting uh, on Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy was his mate. Ron Jeremy's on the way in to meet him in the club. And Bob, like, you know, he's, he's, this dude's just after having a fucking heart attack. And he goes, uh, Rodney, uh, how, how are you doing? And he goes, how am I doing? I'm with two hookers and I'm waiting for a guy who can suck his own dick. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. It's a good way to be. That's a good way <laughs> to, to live. 70 years old. <laughs> uh, Kevin, the comedian you always laugh at. Um, probably Norm MacDonald. Um, I also really like... I, I love this. There's a great podcast called um, Comedy Bang Bang which has introduced me to so many American comedians who've gone on to do great things like Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Uh, Natasha Leggero, I fucking love. I think she's so fucking funny. Um, I said Norm MacDonald. Dave Chappelle, I always enjoy. There's a long list of them. There's a big old long list. But there's a few. And Rodney. 
Rodney, he's just great one-liner jokes, you know. Are you a reader? Uh, I am. Not as much as I used to be, but yeah. Can you think of a book that you've laughed out loud at? Definitely. It's Well-Remembered Days by Arthur Matthews, uh, who obviously co-wrote Father Ted. It kind of blows my mind because everyone in Ireland is obsessed with Father Ted. Like we have Father Ted t-shirts, mugs. We quote it on a daily basis. And yet, most people you talk to have not read this book. It is, it's kind of like um, Angela's Ashes meets Forrest Gump, but it's funny. It's about a very conservative, uh, right-wing Republican man telling his life story from Limerick to death. And it is, it's amazing. And it kind of touches on every aspect of Irish life. Like he got the Pope over in 79. He was on the Late Late Show arguing with Sinead O'Connor. And it's just, it is, oh, at one point he works in the censorship, Irish censorship bureau, and he just bans everything. He bans the Beatles, he bans Life of Brian. <laughs> but uh, he gives an excerpt of a play that was propositioned to be put on in the Abbey. It's all fabricated. And the play is about a Fianna Fáil politician and a Fianna Gael politician in a secret homosexual relationship. And the descriptions of the sex acts in this excerpt is fucking hilarious. <laughs> There's a bit where... <laughs> He was a great, he, he really uses italics quite well. Yeah. You know the way Irish people can say certain things by, uh, you turn your head to your shoulder <laughs> and you raise your shoulder and you say something like, oh, I'll tell you something, that's really pushing the boat out. <laughs> and that's how he uses italics. Artemachis use italics so fucking well. Unreal. And when, when you see those italics, you read it in that voice. And there's, yeah, there's a description of the, of, he's like, so Ben turned me over and he said, go ahead, go for it. What? I says, you know, stick your head up my arse. And I goes, God, this was really pushing the boat out. <laughs> and he describes sticking his head up a man's arse and ha- <laughs> trying to have a look around, but his eyelids were pressed up against oh the inner God. lining. And it's and then at the end of it, he comes back from the excerpt and he goes, imagine, imagine trying to get that put on in the Abbey in 1974. <laughs> it was an absolute disgrace. It's, it's the funniest fucking book. I've laughed so loudly on buses because of this book amazing get it online what's it called again well remembered days the first chapter is called before sell a tip (laughs) (laughs) i like it uh and kevin Mm -hmm. finally your best or worst joke okay i love jokes that go on way too long and annoy person (laughs) that they're been told to and then release it with a very weak punchline oh here we go so (laughs) How much time have we left in the podcast? Ah, come on. <laughs> okay. Um, a frog goes into a bank and he hops up to the counter and uh, he says, how are you getting on? I'd love to take out a loan, please. And your man says, all right, do you have an account with the bank? I don't. No, I don't. Uh, have you any money? Yourself? Like, have you any other money already? <laughs> I don't know. what. I've never gone for a loan. Um, uh, no, I don't have any money whatsoever. Well, pfft. I mean, you've, you've nothing to go. Oh, my father is um, very famous. He's a singer, Mick Jagger. You might have heard of him. He goes, your father's Mick Jagger, the human. Yes, that's correct. And you're a frog. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, there's not a, a box on the form really for his father is Mick Jagger. Um, that doesn't really help. Have you any collateral at all? And the frog says, um, I've got this yoke here. And he takes out. This little sort of jade elephant, kind of like something you get inside a kinder egg, you know? Mm. He goes, I have this yoke here, is this any good to you? And he goes, ah, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I, uh, I mean, not really, to be honest. Um, we were thinking like, 
have you got a house have you got a land or anything like a farm <laughs> or even a pond like a, a nice pond we don't really and he goes listen talk to your manager see how you get on he goes alright okay so he goes to the manager and he says listen man I got this frog out here he's <laughs> looking for a loan how much do you want he's looking for 500 grand he goes Jesus Christ has he any money no has he any assets no his father's Mick Jagger he goes okay uh, has he any collateral he goes he is this yoke here <laughs> And he takes out the little jade elephant and he goes, I don't even know, like, what, I don't know how much it's worth. What, what, I don't even know what this is. Do you know what this is? And the mic manager goes, it's a knick-knack paddywhack. Give the frog alone. His old man's a rolling stone. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got there. That's amazing. <laughs> You'd be so surprised the amount of people who hate that fucking joke. I think it's really good. I love it as well. <laughs> and you didn't trip up at all. <laughs> that was amazing. I'm a professional baby. <laughs> Kevin McGarren. <laughs> thank, thank you, very you much, so Jeremy. much for sharing the last of your life. Thank you very much. Check out Talking It Out on the RT player now. You little scallywag get the plug in at the end. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. Tweet me at Theron Garhi. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. Music